<laughs> this could be the show. I I had a, an issue like that uh, with equipment magically going missing when I had to uh, replace a modem. So I had dropped off a modem at Comcast like a couple of years prior, right? Okay. And within that time, I had a, a new modem of my own purchase, right? So I had to replace that. And when I bought the new one for, you know, the self-activation thing that they've got, right? You're, yeah. you're, you're allegedly supposed to be able to buy your own and go to a website and just do the thing and it just works, right? But it wasn't working. So I called them and like, well, it, it's because we haven't received this particular modem back from you. And I'm like, my, my dude, that was two years ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's not my problem anymore. Why didn't why didn't the modem that I allegedly replaced it with not like why did that work when I set it up? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, of course you don't know because it sounds like a bullshit excuse. <laughs> <laughs> so Literally. they're like, well, we'll uh, we'll take it off your account, but if it reappears, it'll be reassigned to you. And I'm like, well, I'm sure it won't because it's either. It in either the garbage fell off the truck or like <laughs> it's sitting in a warehouse somewhere and you guys don't have a clue about it. Right. I'm pretty sure it's never going to show up again after all this time. <laughs> no. Sorry, but not happening. Yeah, it's it, it's funny man. It, it, like during this move on the personal side, it's it's been fine. But then like 2 days after getting here, I get my files or my 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 taxes filed and then my my CPA is like, yo, fun fact, uh, couldn't do that because somebody filed taxes underneath your social security number. Nice. Uh, so you get to fill out this application and mail like three different things to three different locations in the world. So that was stressful. And then the move itself and then just like little things keep popping up. I'm like, why, why is this not streamlined? Because here's my view. I want everything in life to be streamlined, right? Because I'm a robot. My thing is, me and James were talking about this the other day. You know what we need? You need you need a, a protocol for, for your address. And what I mean by that is instead of having to give all these different places and, and services your address, and then whenever you move, have to update 300 of them, you have what Gravatar did back in the day with, with your avatar, right? Your picture. Mm-hmm. You have one, you know, my shipping at, or my, my address.com. You put in your address, everybody just integrates with them and then whenever you move you go update once save and you're done Mm -hmm. and i'm starting to realize how much opportunity there is in the moving space to make people's lives easier (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's so bad as somebody we were even talking about this on the last episode about like having a digital mailbox that's a prime solution to a lot of these problems right you just kind of have one thing there um Sometimes you actually have to have like your true like home address, which I totally get. Mm-hmm. So that that could be like a hybrid model that runs in parallel, but it should not be this difficult. Yeah, I worked I worked with a guy a few years ago who used uh, traveling mailbox as his mailing address. Like he he didn't get yeah. mail at his condo at all. I mean, he did because you can't really not the packages but and stuff. Sure, like the stuff he he wanted and intentionally you know, put his address out there for, he used his, his virtual mailbox and it was, it's like, huh, you know, I've never, 
you know, like I've, I've, I've had a PO box before. Like I had a physical PO box for, for my business for a year sure. and uh spoiler, I got nothing of value <laughs> in that PO box for the entire year. Yeah. It was, it was, it became the reliable place where if I accidentally threw away my junk mail, I could go check my P.O. box and, get more junk <laughs> and there'd be another yeah. copy of it in there because it was in the same service. zip code even. So all so the stuff of, was exactly the same. Instead of charging like however many dollars per month for a P.O. box, they should charge you half that and have, have literally a slot where the mailman throws it in and it just falls into like an incinerator or like a shredder and it's like half the dollars. <laughs> like it's five bucks a month. We'll just shred your stuff for you. I'm like done. Yeah. I asked, I had asked, uh, a mail carrier some time ago, this is probably years ago now, why, why we can't opt to not have mail that's not directly addressed to us, like yeah. d- discarded. And that's kind of how the postal service makes a not insignificant amount of money is bulk mail and direct yeah, mail, things like that. So that's never happening. So basically USPS is the Facebook of olden days <laughs> by selling your data, which is your yeah. address. Yeah. They're Thanks, the, government. If, if you had to come up with a physical uh, physical variant of Facebook from 30 years ago, 40 years ago, <laughs> that sucks, the United man. States Postal Service is there for you. But That totally sucks. I don't really know where we were going with this. But yeah, no, the, the idea of uh, an address that self-updates, I mean, that that sounds neat. I feel like... It shouldn't be that hard, given that all of the mailing lists seem to figure it out relatively quickly. Like, after yeah. you move, see how quickly you start getting junk mail at your new address right. with your name on it. Like, hmm, that was awfully fast. You have mail before you actually move in. <laughs> like, how right. did you know where I was moving before <laughs> I did? That's insane. They're like, this guy here three weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's... Or even even better, like, I think about how... Like credit cards work, right? Like you can't just go on the internet and punch in some random numbers and see what happens, right? There's sure. there's a method to the madness there. And I wonder if there wouldn't be some way to have some kind of, not really a secret code, but some kind of like authorization. If you say blockchain right now, that's no, where you're God, going. No. <laughs> we're shutting Jesus. down the podcast. <laughs> I mean, we made it to 20. That's like, good, right? Peer-to-peer authentication. Hashtag blockchain. A decentralized ledger. Hashtag buy my Ethereum. <laughs> We're gonna call it Mailcoin. Hashtag make <laughs> make mining cool again. <laughs> Title. <laughs> That's great. Um, <laughs> no, no, not something so so good. silly. Okay, good. Uh, but some kind of you know, credit cards have like check digits, which are easy to figure out right it's just one formula basically but also you know you have like the code on the back or if you're amex the code on the front right like that's that's more unique and kind of pseudo one time like related to that physical card for example so could there could there not in theory be some kind of code you know handful of digits or letters or whatever that for important stuff like unemployment or irs related events tax returns things like that where you f- you feed them their address but then you also provide that code that ideally nobody else should know or hell even maybe it's one time right right Could uh, you do, a one-time password for your address 
couldn't you do a tokenized system where the social the social security number is the main number? However, every time you go to interact with that number, the the second party, so to speak, has to issue you another authentication token that you have to verify on your end. So basically it's like two factor it's two FA, right? It's two factor authentication, but taken to the the public streets, so to speak. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> take, take security to the, street. to the streets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it but it does kind of make sense, right? Um actually oddly enough, um who is it that does this? I, I believe it's Denmark. Their entire infrastructure is online right now from a government standpoint. Like you can vote online and not in like a terrible way we would do in America. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's totally going to be like hacked, right? Um, they actually do it in a very good way. So they do have social security numbers and I, I can't speak to the exact method through which they do it. Um, YouTube it though. It's actually very interesting how they approach it. Um, they seem to not have these issues. Maybe they're just better people than we are. Who knows? Um, they <laughs> That's are the, probably the, true all around. <laughs> yeah. They are like the happiest country, like rated number one. So, you know, take that for, you know, what it's worth. But but I agree. I think I think there's a lot of opportunity in spaces, you know, to kind of tie this back to like entrepreneurship and stuff. It's like find your biggest problems and then realize how big those opportunities are. How many times do people move? A ton. Gravatar, which has existed forever. Like I forgot I even had one until I had to interact with it the other day because I wanted to update my profile pictures on a bunch of stuff because I didn't want to look 12 anymore. Hmm. That has existed forever. And it's, you know, it's utilitarian, 100%. It's a, it's a, it's a low level utility, but it's incredibly useful because I get to do something one time instead of however many times I need to do it for the amount of accounts I have. Right. And so how do we take that to a physical nature? Right now, is that an easy problem to solve? Of course not. Now you're talking about having to get a bunch of new or a bunch of existing companies and systems to integrate with you. But is that doable? Of course it is. Most software, excuse me, companies have to do that, right? Like that's how this works. Um, it's it's a huge opportunity, and I'm I'm starting to see a lot of these. You know, you know, we we talk a lot about logistics here. Um, we talk a lot about operations, and with me being, you know, quote unquote, technically inclined because I'm not an engineer by any stretch of the imagination, you start to realize how important APIs are and how underutilized they truly are. Um, is there a ton of them? Of course there are, but are there impactful APIs that exist in the realm of the person and what i mean by that is most apis are built b2b right which makes sense right like like salesforce has an api that connects to um i was going to say hubspot but that's literally a competitor that wouldn't work um <laughs> that connects to Stripe. i bet you it exists it probably exists though right somebody's got a python wrapper somewhere um <laughs> <laughs> but but what's interesting is you know we're talking a lot and actually this is what i want to talk about today is the founder administrated tasks that need to get done that so they have to get done, but they're really not a good use of your time. What I mean by that is you hear the analogy all the time, and I hate it, that your time's worth a hundred dollars an hour. Therefore, if something is worth twenty dollars an hour, you shouldn't do it. One, as a founder, you don't truly know the value of your time. It's abstract. You don't. Um, you can do a point in time analysis, and that's fine, but realistically, you know. You're not getting paid a salary, or if you are, you're getting paid a salary plus dividends. So it's not the same, right? You're actually you're optimizing for equity value over time. So you could do some convoluted math and you know reverse engineer evaluation and all that stuff, but nobody's gonna do that. So I've been playing around with this whole idea of okay, well, when you're a founder, you're working a lot of hours, and the last thing you want to do is get home, 
have to do a bunch of other administrative tasks that have to get done. Things like, you know, schedule a haircut, grocery shopping, right? Meal planning. These Ugh, are all things it's that... It's so hard to get your haircut, huh, Dylan? Listen, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm finally, I'm literally building a list of these things. And of course, I built like a little math equation that ranks them so I can actually go through and say, okay, what's the most impactful, right? What are things I need to get done? But what's, what's interesting is, is like the haircut example, like it's not difficult to do. It's just something I never do, but it's so easy. Like that's why I've been wearing a hat this entire week. <laughs> it's like I just have not done it, and but it needs to get done. But what's interesting is like I could I could realistically go to a tool like GetMagic.com, which is like a they're not a VA service necessarily, but they're kind of like on demand um, support, which is pretty cool. Uh, business and personal, or you can go with Wing App. I think it's dot com. I'm, I'm I've been testing them. They're actually pretty decent. It's like ten twenty bucks a month. Um, I could jump on there and just say, hey, you know, look at my calendar, book me a haircut for, you know, this day at this time. Or heck, look at just look at my calendar and tell me when I can do it and book it for me, right? I can negate the friction for me getting things done and just get it done. Um, I say all that to say, why in the world do we not have utilities and APIs for the personal side? Because imagine being able to have, and this is something I've been wanting to build, imagine being able to access an API for prices at your grocery store and granted this is an optimization problem which means it's not easy to solve that's like the hardest crap ever which sucks because that's the stuff i love but imagine being able to say these are the things that i can eat this is my diet protocol so to speak here's how much money i, I budgeted for food optimize that for me go ahead build out the actual here's what you can order it fits your budget it op, like it's going to realize that grass fed you know chicken's going to be cheaper than grass fed beef okay let's go ahead and substitute that out cuz it's like way more expensive and then dump me the list or heck push it over to Instacart and then let me just press another button after i verified it and have it come in you know there there's no there there are some price APIs but they're not great and they're not universal you know what I mean? It's it's being able to put these things that, yeah, it only takes you 30 minutes or an hour, but you do it once a week. So now you're talking, you know, let's just call it four hours a month. But it's the same thing as making incremental changes or, or updates with automation. Yeah, it only saved you three seconds. Who cares, Dylan? Okay, but do that 50 times for things you do every single day. It adds up. I was talking to somebody the other day who literally has been doing this, and he's like, no, dude, I did the math. He's like, I literally have saved myself a week, a year in just the minute things I've done so far. <laughs> right. So imagine you get to a point where you're like, cool, I'm, I've theoretically saved a month's worth of time in a, in a given year because of the things that I've saved time for. Right. And it's not to be lazy. It's to reallocate your time on things that are more impactful. Um, and so you realize, well, can, could I save four hours a week on administrative tasks in my personal life and then reallocate that either to productive downtime which is, you know, self-care, stuff like that, things that actually do matter, by, by the way, or spending time with family or, heck, working more, whatever, right? It's this whole new realm of, of things that I'm starting to, to think about and play with and build a framework around, and there are no great answers, <laughs> and it really annoys me. <laughs> like, what is – because I was talking to James last night, and I was like, you know what? We need to build the Hitchhiker's Guide to Being a Founder. Because there's this personal aspect that nobody writes about. Nobody talks about how to optimize your time as a founder in the personal realm, nobody talks about, hey, you shouldn't be doing X and here's the justification for that. Hey, you shouldn't be booking your own flights and not because, you know, you're a highly paid CEO. No, just because it's a it's a time opportunity cost problem. And here's the way through which we're viewing it, because the whole 
you know, your time is worth $100. Therefore, if this costs you $25 per hour, you shouldn't do it. It's not enough for me. It needs to be a framework because that's too – like math is 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 perfect, right? Two equals two, right? Like that problem is not math though. That's my problem. It's abstract. It's way too abstract to, to, to go that realm, to use that analogy. But I do want a framework for thinking through how do you truly optimize – appropriately your personal life as a founder, because doing that as an employee is vastly different than doing that as a highly paid CEO, which is different than doing it as a founder. That's my rant today. <laughs> End of show. So, so what do you think? I mean, have you, is this something that you've thought about? Is this something that you played around with? I've found at least in, in recent, recent months, maybe to an extent in, in ebbs and flows in the recent years, I've, I've found myself, kind of actually wanting to take the opposite approach and more take a more simplified look at how my digital we'll just call them digital components of my life affect the the rest of it right um that means having you know fewer social networks having fewer means of communicating with people having you know fewer apps to order overpriced delivery food, having, you know, like having just like picking, picking a lane in all of these categories and just sticking with it. Right. Like I think about the, the grocery example, I think is probably uh, a really big one in that I opted to just not come up with new things to cook and eat and then just defer to a meal kit service for that. Right. Like that for me, like it is, it is more expensive. I, I'll be the first to admit that it is probably too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, because I don't have the mental capacity to come up with but the most basic of dishes, um, I'm I'm entirely fine offloading that to someone or something in exchange for freeing up some of my time. And I think that's I, I, I think that's what you're getting at, right? There's a, there are a lot of a lot of like things, components, services, whatever you want to call them that can eliminate some of the manual effort in your day-to-day life, whether it's somebody doing a thing for you or somebody coming up with recipes for you or deciding this is what, this is what you should be buying at the grocery store this week, or this is hell. I mean, we can use the haircut example. Here's the, here's the hair place that has the shortest wait time within certain miles of you and a reservation's already been made. Go ahead and head on over there. You know, things like that. And, and there's, there's, I hate to use the word, word spectrum because it's used far too much right now, but <laughs> there's a spectrum here. Um, cause I agree. So, so two things you kind of hit on one is, is defaults. So you, you mentioned simplification. I could not agree more. Most things need to be simplified first. That's like stage one, in my opinion, right? If you look at any system, if you look at any algorithm, if you look at any, um, any optimization problem, nine times out of 10, you need to simplify first. <laughs> right. If you could just do that, it puts things in a, into a context that you can at least work with more appropriately. Um, so I wrote a blog post called uh, The Power of Defaults, where I talk about this. So like, whether it's your personal life or business, it doesn't matter. So if you're, if you're one of your defaults is, I only wear this brand of t-shirt in this size and in these three colors, it enables you then to use a VA or whatever, or heck text your mom and be like, yo, here's a list of my defaults. Can you order me a shirt, please? All you have to say is shirt, please. And that variable actually expands to from 
Banana Republic, size medium, color, you know, navy blue, light gray, or white. Take your pick. You right? do seem like a Banana Republic kind of guy. <laughs> more, of a, more of a J. Crew. Uh, fun fact, <laughs> actually, my default for shirts is J. Crew because they're comfy as hell and they're like 12 bucks. Um, but, but no, I, I think so. So you're, you're simplifying in order to have defaults. So you're, but in parallel, which is point two you made, you are reducing decision fatigue. Listen, at the end of the day, what do we do as founders? We make decisions all freaking day long. So what do you want to do when you go home? Not make decisions. <laughs> you know, I don't want to have to decide what time works for me to get my hair cut. I want to take two seconds, text a service and be like, hey, look at my calendar, figure it out. Here are my defaults. I go to this person and this at this location. Look at my calendar. You know how far away it is. You can extract, you know, my, my walk time, let's just say. And you just make that happen. I didn't have to then – I didn't have to make the decision. Do I want to do it Thursday? Do I want to do it Friday? Does that work? No, I don't want to do all that crap. I just want to go do it. But again, what's interesting is it's not just having an executive EA or, or, or a VA assistant anymore. It's it's getting to a point where tech is coming in. So Wing, as, as an example, is a beautiful app. They're a startup. Um, they're kind of half and half. You know, They pull the whole like AI kind of marketing thing. What they're really doing, in my opinion, which they could have some actual AI machine learning in there. I'm not sure. But what they're really doing is they're they're augmenting building out systems with humans. So they start with, okay, a lot of people are asking for us to order flowers and have it delivered to their wives at work or whatever. And we go, okay, we're going to manually do that. And then eventually we're going to build an API or or, or you know uh, a BPM, so, so a bot-based process. That's going to be able to – we could just trigger that, right? It's going to look for these keywords. Maybe they're using like natural language. So they're going to use NLP to be like, okay, that's what they want. Here's the address. Boom. They put it through their pipeline and it gets done. Cool. Like great idea, by the way. Great idea. Um, and it's cheap. Like getmagic.com on the personal side is about $35 an hour for work. On average, they say it, it takes 30 minutes to complete a task. Now, they are going to get a lot more done for you because it's purely like – college educated people doing those tasks, right? So they can do a lot more, but it's a higher rate. Whereas wing is just 10 or $20 per month. So wing is, is a good use case where you can say, I really don't like doing reservations and I really don't like spending 30 minutes trying to figure out where to eat. I just want to say, Hey, find me a, a highly rated taco place in this area that, that can sit two people at 7 PM tonight. They'd come back within five minutes. Hey, here's one we found. What do you think? Yep. Sounds great book us a reservation. And if they can't do it online via like an open table, they'll just call them and do it. This reminds me of the thing Google was working on. I don't know if they're still doing it, but they had advertised that they were working on a thing where, you know, you're browsing for restaurants in Google Maps or in Google search or something. And um, you have the option to book a reservation right there, right? Whether whether the restaurant has any kind of special reservation system or not, or if it's all on paper, in theory, it didn't matter. What would happen was um, the a Google robot would call the restaurant. I saw this and, demo, yeah. Yeah, and almost creepily pretend to be a human and book the reservation for you. And then it would come back saying, oh, you know, it was successful. And, and it was a little a little uncanny valley for my taste because it was it was something artificial trying to mimic a human not something very clearly like this is you know this is an automated thing 
please do the thing. Thank you. Goodbye. You know, like, sure. So you don't like to be fooled, which most people don't, by the way, if you look at like chat bots, when people think that you're real and then they find out you're a chat bot, they get really pissed off versus you just be like, yo, I'm a chat bot. Like, here's what I can do for you. Um, you know, I, I go back and forth because I love the idea. If if you've ever listened to Exponential Wisdom by Peter Diamandis and um, I, I forget his co-host names, um, really cool. Like you know, so Peter heads up the X Prize program, um, Singularity University, like a lot of cool cutting edge stuff, and they're really into like AI. And obviously, they're extrapolating like you know where could this go, and you know general AI, which by the way we're super far away from, but they talk a lot about having this, this AI personal assistant that really profiles you, not in a negative, we're not getting all, you know, controversial and like, you know, robots are going to take over the world here. We're, we're going to be positive, but it understands that you like Pepsi more so than Coke and like all these things, right? It understands you. It understands your defaults. What's cool though, is the idea or the theory behind this, this evolution is that you get to a point where, you know, you can have, this assistant that you can have just a general conversation with, a casual conversation with, hey, I really need to order another shirt. Can you handle that for me? Yeah, I got you covered. And in the background, it's just running the code that's like, you know, it's connecting to J.Crew's API and it's doing that and like you're you're fine, right? Um, I like that idea because it enables you to have a, a communication layer between a lot of this, you know, really advanced technology um, for like a casual person, like a very non-technical person. Because if you look at if you look at the communication layer or really like the, the functional layer um, between – or should I say the interactive layer between humans and technology, like a keyboard's really actually not that effective. If, if you think about it, if you boil it down to first principles, actually you'd be able to – like a neural link kind of situation, like that's more efficient. But for a lot of people where they struggle to get the value out of a lot of this stuff is the interactive interactive layer, right? Like APIs exist that allow you to do some really cool stuff, but if you don't understand tech, you're not going to be able to build it, right? So to be able to put a new layer of abstraction, so to speak, which is just voice, which we're pretty damn good at as humans, it's not bad, right? If, we, if you can if you can convert the, the the tonality, if you can use natural language processing to, to understand what are you actually asking and convert that over into commands, that's pretty cool. Um, and you can build basic versions. Like I built a basic, basic version of this using Zapier and Slack. I built like a, like a chat bot that I could say, Hey, do this for me. And it just goes and does it. Now that took like two days to build and it only does three things, you know? So it's not very efficient there to scale out to other <laughs> things. Um, but, but I do foresee that cause that demo is, you should watch the demo. We'll link to, to the demo of that, um, where you listen to the phone call. And what's funny is the way to trick humans into thinking you're real is to put random pauses and ums into, into the conversation. If you go, um, as if it's thinking, but it's really not just pausing to say an um, which is kind of ironic. But, but I do see a value in that because that conversation probably still needed to happen because let's say they're not integrated with, with, with an open table type thing where I could just do that real quick in like two seconds on my phone. That conversation still needed to happen, but the question is, did I need to do it? That's where things get interesting to me because, again, I'm looking at the, – the, the lens through which I'm looking at all this is how do I get three people or three humans worth of work done in one human's time frame, right? That, that's where things get really interesting in my opinion in terms of functionality and all that stuff. Um, and really the only way to do that is tech or just hire two other people and have them work beneath you, but that's slightly more expensive, right? 
Um, and, and the management of people is different than the management of a system. So I don't know. I, I think I view it very – I'm very bullish on it. I'm very positive on a lot of this stuff. Obviously, we're very far out from anything remotely close to you know, uh, AI-based personal assistant. But, of course. Um, but but you know th- that doesn't mean there are not things that we could be building now that literally just make your life better. Because if you're viewing it from a Maslow's hierarchy of needs kind of problem, we still have rungs that are you know very low that are still not solved, which kind of annoys the the hell out of me. To be frank, um, you know, there's things that I just shouldn't have to do as a human. I should, you know, we joke all the time about I'm a robot. Really, I'm just. I'm just an annoyed human that wants robots to do everything for me. And I just understand the logic behind having defaults and automation and streamlining. Um, but I want more as, as every human has ever said, I want more. That's fair. And I think about like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like two easy real world examples here as you're talking one, you know, our local grocery store, a Safeway in particular, um, other parts of the country, maybe Albertsons or Vons or Lucky or something like that, right? Safeway there is a grocery chain. Uh, the company itself doesn't really matter. But what they do, and, and some people are bug, are wigged out by this, and it's fine. I'd like to introduce them to, you know, to 1998. But it's everything, basically everything we purchase is tracked, right? Like, especially for any any, any loyalty program, right? They're, they're keeping track of what you purchase. And after a point, it I, I I just I stopped caring about it, and what um, what impresses me now, and really ultimately this is it's relatively simple when you think about it. But what they do is, especially if you launch the the Safeway app, you know it it presents you coupons and deals based on your past purchases, right? And it might be for the exact same item. So you know what that does. Not only does it give me a special discount, so to speak. But it creates a nice, easy default, so I don't have to think about it, right? Like it, it, it encourages kind of repurchasing of those same items, so there's there's less that I'm thinking about every time I go to the store because I'm just going to grab the same items because there's a special price on it that's not on the shelf, right? And then I just move on to the other thing. And so then the other example that comes to mind is, you know, I, I own a newer Honda that has all the fancy you know, robot systems and, and tracking Assisted and driving and all that. Yeah. Right. And it has Honda link, which is, you know, the equivalent of OnStar and other things like that. Right. Have you purchased comma AI for it yet? No. Okay. I'll, I'll send you a link after this. Okay. It, it's a $2,000 right. uh, open source uh, oh, geez. automated driving system. And it works great with Hondas. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. The guy, the guy who cracked iPhone at like 14 is the guy who built the company. It's great. Oh God. <laughs> Oh god. Okay. Um I'll put a pin in that one. Um what what I, I I somewhat appreciate the fact that when it gets to uh, a service interval, whatever that is, it doesn't really matter. It, you know, it sends me an email, you know, the the app, you know, sends me a push notification and it gives me an option to schedule service. What frustrates me is that it doesn't it it's it has it, it the app and the service can integrate with my calendar yeah right easily and so i can see my calendar in my car which is i one could argue the the usefulness of that but if it can if it can see my calendar why why couldn't it just schedule the service for me 
right? Like if I can, if I launch the app and hit schedule service from the prompt and then it shows me the available times, like why, why can't I just give it some parameters and have it just be like, all right, guess what? It's service time. Now your appointments next Friday at 2 PM. Like, do it. Like, I don't, I don't see what, what, what's holding. And then this is a rhetorical question, but what, what is really holding you back at that point? Like you're, you're so close. It's effort. You know, that's the funny part. Like, you know, I, I'm technically inclined to, to know, like, that's not a hard thing to do. <laughs> you know, you need, you need to be able to read the, the, the data that is my calendar for the next two weeks, see what you have in available, see which ones match up. Wow. Done. Right. Maybe you want to buffer for drive time. Cool. You can factor that in. Cause you know what you could do? You could look at my home address. You can look at where your address is. You can factor in the average time to get there based on a normal route using Google maps. Here we go. Right. Um, I think where I am though, is like, I agree that should exist, but I'm also of the opinion that re- realistically, I want my car in the middle of the night to just leave and go get, go get an oil change itself. That would be neat. Yeah. Well, imagine that. Well, but here's the thing: you you really want to again first principles, right? Boil it down to really what what do you have to do, and that like how are you useful in that situation? The only input you have in doing that is paying for it to get done, and literally getting your car there and back. That's it, which provides no value to anybody if it didn't have to happen, right? And so, even car washes, you know, te- you know, Tesla at some point needs to integrate with with a automated car wash brand franchise, whatever. And just be like, yo, in the middle of the night when nobody's here, we're just going to have Tesla's lined up getting their car wash once a week. And you, here's a cool thing. You could, as, as an owner say, Hey, I want it to get washed twice a month on, you know, on this day between these times. And it just happens, man. They can look at, at that point you can optimize for time. And guess what? If it takes four hours to get your car wash, who cares? You're asleep doesn't matter or you're at work right your car's just sitting in a parking lot anyways let it go do something useful <laughs> we've we've tried so hard as humans to eliminate the the manual effort for a lot of these tasks like car washes and refueling like i can't think of the name off the top of my head but there was a company they might still exist in I san francisco they do where they they basically bring a small tanker of gas and they fill it up for you yeah and it's like six dollars a gallon Super because expensive. guess what transporting liquids heavy and expensive <laughs> who knew yeah uh, we're trying to butlerize all of these things instead of like making the device do the work instead like we're, we we have this idea that it still needs to be done by a human. And, and I'm sure a lot of people would say, you know, gotta have, we have to draw a line somewhere. And I'm sure that's a fair argument. But, but that's always subjective. Right. The, the problem with that, with that statement is where we will never – nobody will ever agree as to where that line is. So it's a null, null point. You know, I, I agree. It, it, you know, we, we try to – we think we're special. Okay? Um, and we're just not. <laughs> like – it's, it's easy for us to say we're great at certain things and we are like there are certain things like, listen, us, our hands in terms of grip is one of the hardest things for for researchers to solve. Look at MIT right now. They are having the hardest try- time solving grip because objects are so different and it's hard to do that. And and oddly enough, that is one of the largest bottlenecks in robotics at the moment when it comes to warehouse automation. You could do everything else but you can't pick something up <laughs> and, but that's okay. Right. But you know, I think the way we approach things is, is wrong. It's not first principles. It's, Oh, well, what does it currently look like? And let's make it iteratively better. No, it needs to become invisible. What I want is this invisible 
infrastructure of things, of, of administrative tasks that need to get done, but I don't provide any value in the equation. While I'm at work, have my car get drive itself to you know automatically get plugged into a charger so I never have to worry about charging my car ever again. I also want you to go ahead and wash my car twice a month on these days while I'm at work. And so one, what you're doing, so there, there's a beautiful um, – well, I'll, I'll find a link so we can link it up. Um, Sebastian Marshall, which is a great guy, he, he, he's one of the founders of ultraworking.com, which I'm a huge fan of. He wrote a blog series called Strategic Review for a while. And one of the things he's talked about is background operations. Now, this stems from a, a book written in mathematics, which basically states the quicker you can get to a point of doing low-level math in the background of your mind, the quicker you can get to doing and the, the faster you can solve higher level abstract math makes a ton of sense, but let's boil it back. The fact that you now don't have to go in 10 day farm to get food, which takes X number of hours or days or months or years. Instead, you just walk into Trader Joe's and grab an apple. You've put a lot of things in the background. They still happen, by the way. People still have to farm stuff, but you don't have to. Right. So so the population, you know, let's just call it a third of the population. You set the farm. Now it's like five percent. But we have more people. It's a more efficient situation. What I want is to take that that idea, that theory, and apply it further. I'm going to extrapolate it into the world and say, okay, well, what are the things that need to get done but that realistically no human should do moving forward? Now we're building this new layer of infrastructure that negates – it puts everything into background operations, right? Like the fact that you get to pay somebody to just give you water. You don't have to go to a well anymore allows you to reallocate that time it would have taken you to do so into more productive things. So a lot of people hate on automation, but I'm sorry, it, it enables you. And of course, there are negative repercussions, of course, but you know, it still fundamentally enables you to refocus human capital on more important productive things. I want to take that to the personal level. You know, I want people to not have to ever say, I got to, you know, put gas in my car. Like I want people to be like, what do you mean you're putting gas in your car? Like, like why? <laughs> you know, I want the default to be a, at least a third of the current task that you have to get done in, in a, in a month should just be gone. They still get done, but they're in the background. That's cool. Right. So even booking flights, I'm not a huge fan of booking flights, but right now I have to travel once a month, if not twice a month, you know, there's, there's, there's services, there's, there's tools. At one point there was, there was a Slack bot that was actually pretty cool. Um, they, they shut down. It was kind of a proof of concept where you could go in there. They use natural language processing. You say, I need a flight from here to here within these timeframes. And, you know, uh, I typically fly American and you can give it its preferences and it'll come back with like, Hey, here's what we recommend. Now wing can do that. They're, kind of half using um, APIs, half using humans there. Well, instead of me spending an hour trying to figure that out, I can just spend two minutes writing out that text, not even two minutes, like less than a minute writing that text um, in Wings out, have them come back with a lot of the research that actually saved me an hour of my time, and I can go and book it. So I can take a task that realistically took me an hour down to about five minutes.